Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We've been podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning and every Wednesday evening for those who are not able to be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. And we're thankful to have the ability and the opportunity and the means to be able to do so. We don't take this blessing from God that his, and God has enabled us to be able to do this. We don't take that blessing for granted and we don't take it lightly. We want to be responsible toward that blessing and toward God and his entrusting us to be able to teach his word on such a widespread basis over the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Our Bible classes begin Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of Bible study and worship. And on Wednesday evenings, we meet together at 6.30 each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. You are welcome to any and all of these services. And we do encourage you, come and get to know us. Check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Study God's Word with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us. And we encourage you to do that. But now we know there are people, even in the Omaha area, who cannot physically be with us for various reasons. And we know that people listen to these podcasts all across the country and literally around the world through the medium of the Internet. And we're thankful to have this opportunity to be able to teach God's Word to you. We're thankful that you're there and want to learn more from God's Word. And we pray that you are growing in your faith as we come together through these podcasts each time. We encourage you also to share them with everybody you can, your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you may help somebody by sharing these studies with them. You may help somebody grow in their faith, come to God through Jesus Christ. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing every time you possibly can with everybody you can. Now, we also encourage you to tell everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We keep saying we're not after money from people. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or whatever other smart device they choose, automatically they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures, and then a short Bible study every day, only about 13 or so minutes each day, called Today's Bible Class. All of that keeping us in God's Word, keeping us focused on studying His Word, on growing in our faith before Him, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. All of that will automatically go to your smart device, and it will always be free. So take advantage of it yourself and encourage everybody you know to do so as well. 
who knows how far-reaching these podcasts can be in teaching people about God and about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and helping people get to heaven. Only God knows, but God's blessings are powerful beyond our imagination. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Well, let's get back into our study from the book of Deuteronomy. And we have been going a long way through this particular book. We've actually began in the book of Genesis and gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and now we're quite a ways through Deuteronomy. And as we said, the setting for this particular book is Moses has led the Israelites through the wilderness for a period of about 40 years, and they are now, they are now set on the eastern bank of the Jordan River and ready to cross that river into the promised land, the land that God promised to them through their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham. And Moses is rehearsing a great deal of their history for them, how they were in in Egypt, how they were in bondage in Egypt, how God sent him to lead them out of bondage, how God destroyed the Egyptian army to a great extent at least, uh, as they pursued them after they had left Egypt, how God led them through the wilderness, miraculously fed them and watered them. Their clothes did not even wear out along the way for those 40 years, and he's brought them to this point. They're ready to cross the river and begin to fight the battles and take possession of the land that God had promised to them. But God has already promised to give them the victory if if they will stay faithful to him. Now, beginning with chapter 12, we start to get into more of a kind of technical instruction from Moses about their worship and tithing and where they're going to worship and so on. So I'm going to kind of hit high points along that as I did in the books of of, of Numbers and, and Leviticus and move on because I don't want it to become too tedious for you as we go through this. I'll leave the rest of those sections for you to read on your own. But we're going to pick up uh, right now with, with um, chapter 12, and, and this is talking about how God is going to designate a place of worship for the Israelites, for the whole nation. And he he gives some prohibitions along the way. And they are basically in line with what he has been instructing them right along, and that is you stay away from idol worship. You stay away from all the places where idols are being worshipped. So beginning with verse 1 of chapter 12, Moses says, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. Now remember in chapter 11, that was basically a chapter that demonstrated, that emphasized God's continued blessings upon Israel conditioned upon their continued faithful obedience to his teachings. And he said, as long as you say faithful to me, demonstrated through your keeping my commandments, my teachings, my instructions, and this would become the Old Testament law of Moses, then I will continue to bless you. I will bless you in this land that I'm giving you. But if you become unfaithful, disobedient, then I will punish you, bring judgment upon you, 
and ultimately he would remove them from that land. Now, really, this is prophetic because hundreds of years later, that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. God dispossessed them of their land. He allowed their enemies to, take, uh, to, to defeat them in battle, to conquer their land, and to remove them from that land, literally. Well, so here he's, he's saying, now, I'm, I'm going to give you some instructions about worship here. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall possess, which you shall dispossess, serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. And this is interesting. God says, not only shall you go in and conquer that land, and he, they would have to fight against nation after nation that already lived within that, those boundaries of that land that God was going to give them, and that would ultimately become the nation of Israel geographically. But he says, when you go in, now he's already told them, I'm going to give you the victories over those peoples, but and I've already told you not to worship idols. Don't get taken in by their false worship of idols as supposed gods, because those idols are simply carvings and statues and images and sculptures and so on. They're, they're nothing. They're not, they're not gods at all. You shall worship me. I am the Lord God, and you shall serve no other. But here, he goes even beyond that, and he says, all those places where they worshiped their idols, you destroy those places. You destroy their altars. You break their sacred pillars. You burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. And don't set up those places where they worshiped idols as a place to worship me. In other words, you completely re remove the memory of those places of worship from existence. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. Now, he does not tell them at this particular point where that will be, but he says, God's going to choose a place where you will go as a nation to worship him. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your, the heave offerings, your hand, your vowed, uh, your heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all, all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own, si his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. See, you're not yet there yet. You're not in that promised land yet. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you there. I'm going to give you the victories over the peoples who live there. They're idol worshipers, and I want you to either destroy them or drive them out of the land. Have nothing to do with their idol worship. In fact, wherever, whatever places on which they have set up idols to worship their 
false gods, you destroy those places and do not set up a place of worship to me there. I'll tell you where I want you to worship me. And so when you cross over the Jordan, verse 10, and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, he gives, he gives you rest. He gives, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses, and God would choose that place, to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, so God is, Moses, God through Moses is telling the Israelites, God is going to choose a place of worship for the nation. Make sure that you respect that place of worship and you come to worship God at that place according to his instructions. Now, I'll leave the rest of chapter 12 for you to read as, Paul, as, as Moses goes into more detail. And let's jump to chapter 13, and we'll look at, again, only a portion of this. Beginning with verse 1, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the, your Lord, your God, you br who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you to, uh, from the way in which the Lord, your God, commanded you to walk, so you shall put away evil from your midst. Now again, God is reinforcing, he is reinforcing what he has been stating emphatically, time after time after time. And we can understand this perhaps more easily if we real recognize that most of humanity at that time worshiped idols. Even in Jesus's day, when he was upon this earth, most people in the world worshiped idols. Now, that's a little difficult for us to understand right now. Even though there are a great many people in the world today who worship idols, they would not be in the majority. They would not be in the vast majority for certain. But in that day, and that was a continual problem for the Israelites, they were surrounded by idol worshipers, and they took part in that themselves 
from time to time to some extent or another. They kept struggling with it in their own conscience, even as God's people. They struggled with the worship of idols and kept vacillating, going backwards and forwards, worshiping idols and then abstaining from them, going through kind of a reformation movement, and then going back to idolatry, and then coming back away again, over and over and over again, until God finally had had enough, and he did allow their enemies to conquer them and dispossess them from their land, make captives of them again, basically put them back into servitude and slavery, but in foreign countries, not in their own land. And so the warning comes from God through Moses over and over and over again. Stay away from the worship of idols. Stay away from them. The principle is still true today. There are a whole lot of people who say, well, we don't worship idols. Well, maybe not a statue or an image or a carving or a sculpture. But a whole lot of people basically, in essence, worship Idols of all kinds, money, things money can buy, social standing, their jobs, over and over again, power, authority, professional accomplishments, over and over again. We see the practice of worshiping idols that are not necessarily physical statues or images, but they're things that people have become so focused upon and so dedicated to obtain, to have, to serve, that they have, in essence, become idols to them that have pulled them away from God and away from godliness, away from obedience to God. That's something that I call modern-day idolatry and that we see all around us and that we're always tempted to enter into ourselves because the devil, he throws up those temptations saying, yeah, don't you think that big house over there? Don't you think that you'd you'd look really good in that? Don't you think you'd love to live there? Or what about that brand new car with all those bells and whistles? Look how it shines. Don't you think you deserve that? And so we may make a commitment that I'm going to buy that big house or I'm going to buy that brand new car. And then what happens? Well, we find ourselves so often, we find ourselves head over heels in debt. So what do we have to do? Well, I've got to work extra time. I don't have time to go to church services. I don't have time to worship God. I've got to, I've got to work a second or a third job or a lot of overtime to pay for the, that house, to pay for that car, or for my membership in some social club, or to buy all the right clothes from the right manufacturers with the right tags and labels on them for my family so that we we look really cool and fit in socially. You see, it goes on and on. Or maybe it's a relationship. I, I, I remember knocking on a door one time, oh, 40 years ago, perhaps. And a lady came to the door and introduced myself and uh, told her, you know, that I was with the Church of Christ in that area. And she said she was a member of the Lord's Church, and she, but she doesn't go to services anywhere. She said, my husband is, is not a Christian or not a believer or whatever. And she said, so I, I'm, I, I I'm, don't want to 
push him away. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that as we watch religious programming every Sunday, that that will help him to become a believer, to, to, to you know, become a Christian. I said, how long have you been married? 20 years. 20 years. Now, I was not impolite. Perhaps I should have been more forceful. But if she had been waiting for 20 years, hoping her husband through religious programming on Sundays on the TV would finally persuade him to become a Christian, I think she ought to open her eyes and see that particular line of influence, potential influence upon him, had not worked. She needed to be faithful to God herself. She needed to be with the church. She needed to come worship God herself. You see, a relationship can become an idol to us. We're so devoted to somebody, something, that that can pull us away from our devotion to God. And so God is warning through Moses. He's warning Israel, you don't have anything to do with these idols. You don't have anything to do with somebody who tries to lead you into worshiping idols. Even if he calls himself a prophet, that's something that I have not said. In fact, that that contradicts what I have told you, what I have taught you in my word, and you have nothing to do with him. In fact, under the Old Testament law of Moses, you know, uh, God said you put him to death. You remove him from the whole scene. In verse 6, he goes on and says, if your brother, the son of your mother, the son of your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or friend, or your friend who is as your own soul, secretly entices you, saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him and put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So all Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. Well, aren't you thankful we don't live under the law of Moses today? So that false teachers should be killed, executed on the spot. Now, they should be shunned. They should be rebuked. They should be corrected. But think about how strongly God warned the Israelites against the practice of worshiping idols, against the, the weakness of being led into the worship of idols by these false teachers that he said, you don't even let them stay in the land. You execute them, stone them until they're dead. Even if they're family members that are trying to lead you into the worship of idols, you do the same to them. Do the same to them. And then verse 12, if you hear someone in your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, 
corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known? Then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. And if it is true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it and its livestock with the edge of the sword. Now, we might look at that today and say, isn't that overreaction on God's part? Wiping people out? Well, if we could compare it to a physical plague that is sweeping across a nation or a city, do we encourage the people who have become sick with that plague to get out in the public and just, you know, go among them without taking any precautions? If the plague is deadly, and I mean severely deadly, and we've gone through some of that, haven't we? But through history, mankind has gone through that repeatedly. And so what do you do? You isolate people. You treat them. You give them proper medications to get them well. But you take some measures of isolation. And in some cases, it becomes pretty severe when maybe dealing with the dead bodies. Think about the Black Plague back in history, the bubonic plague. Think about what happened during the late 19-teens and early 1920s with the Spanish flu. The contagion spread like wildfire, like wildfire. And people were not as, as educated as to how to deal with such at that time. And so precautions have to be taken. God is telling the people there, here's the precaution you have to take. You have to completely remove the worship of idols from your sight, from your conscience. And that really, with the exception of stoning the people to death, it goes along with what, what John the Apostle wrote in 2 John verses 9 through 11. Whoever transgresses, and does, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And then John says, if one comes to you with a different doctrine, with a different teaching than what you have been taught as the true teachings of Christianity, you don't have anything to do with that person. He says, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now, we're going to stop here, but before we close today, I just want to make another application that I've made from time to time about the worship of idols. And that is that we even have a whole lot of people today who claim to be Christians, who worship through idols. They have all kinds of statues and images that they bound down to and they pray through. Supposedly, they're thinking they're praying through those to God. 
But those are idols. Those are carvings. Those are images. That's in direct violation with what God instructed in the original Ten Commandments and what he continues to warn the people against here. There is no human being that we ought to carve an image in memory of and then bow down to and pray to as an avenue to get to God. That is idolatry. And there's no way to explain that away. And people who claim to be Christians need to recognize that and walk away from it as fast as they can. Read these texts of Scripture that we've been studying here and see if you do not see that very truth. God warned continually his people to stay away from such practices. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to open our eyes to the full truth of your word and your will communicated to us through your word. Help us, Father, to not substitute practices that we come up with as mankind for the worship that you want us to serve you through, that you want us to use to glorify you. Pure worship and simple worship, Father. Help us to see the truth, Father, of your word and your will, and help us to embrace it and live by it. Help people all over the world see that simple truth. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.